Good morning to my fellow DJs sipping on some coffee. Good morning, good morning. Today, I'm here in this windowless business center in the bowels of my building. This is where they relegate me to record because no one can hear me yelling from the goddamn hallways. So they put me in this little box with striped wallpaper. And uh, this is where I can be free. Free to be, free to be me. Oh yeah. Uh So, one thing I love to do, just talk. Podcasts, for me, are my favorite. They're my favorite. There's something about podcasts that other mediums cannot capture. There's a certain authenticity to podcasts that cannot be expressed in any other ways. What do I mean? What do I mean by this? Podcasting is just talk. And the most successful podcasts are unedited, unscripted. Now, there are very highly produced, narrative-driven, serial-killing podcasts where they talk about a particular story, and there's music, and there's suspense, and there's a plot, and there's a... A goal. And those are nice. Those are cool. Those are nice. Um, But. But. Thinking back to even the most successful. Serial. The podcast. Was about. uh, A guy who was wrongfully convicted. That was a very. That was a massive breakout podcast. Serial. At the time everyone was listening to Serial. And Serial. It was not highly produced. I I do think it was mostly Sarah Koenig just talking. There was music, and they did put uh, snippets from other conversation. But it wasn't overdone. I'm not a huge fan of the overdone. I'm, I'm more of a fan of just people getting in a room. Or not even people, just me. Fuck it. Just one guy, Tim Dillon, sitting in a room ranting about random shit, whatever comes up. Those are my favorite. They're, they're authentic because it's just the person talking. There's very little editing. There's very little narrative. The guy that comes into podcast, they don't even know where it's going. They just fucking, you just talk and you let it go and you let your mind free. And that to me is great. I love that. I love that conversational style. Um, it just flows. It just flows. A lot of times when you're watching a TV show, they're trying to construct this narrative. And constructing a narrative is very difficult. It's very difficult to put together a compelling story. And especially to put together a story where people don't know the ending. Like, it, they, they can become very predictable. They can become very predictable. And they can be, they can get stale very, very easily. 
very easily. And these scripted shows, they are oftentimes not funny. Oftentimes they're not funny. Or, or they're funny for one season, but then they kind of just go off the rails. I mean, I'm just... One, this show, though, I did like. Only Murders in the Building. We got Steve Martin. Martin Short. Steve Martin Short. Uh, Selena Gomez. It's a nice show. It is a nice show. I think Steve Martin, he's a, just a fantastic performer. He's great. He makes you laugh. Martin Short as well. I found myself laughing at a lot of his, the delivery. It wasn't even what he said, but just the timing, the delivery. Really, really funny. But even in that show, now this is, this is getting very specific. And I'm sure most people will not even give a shit about this. But in that show, in the first season, the, the killer is Steve Martin's girlfriend. And they kind of, they, they try to put it in as a twist at the end. Now, this is a fucking spoiler. So if you haven't watched it, um, this is a fucking spoiler. So they put the... So one thing is that in the show, the, the girlfriend stabs herself, okay? And as the viewer, you're, you're thinking, oh, there's no way that, you know, she was stabbed. It couldn't be stabbing herself, right? It's got to be someone else who stabbed her and she can't be the killer because of this because she got stabbed. Turns out she stabs herself. But in this scene... Before she gets stabbed, there is a note on her door that says, I'm watching you. Right. And that is supposed to be put up there by the stabber. Okay. But turns out she was a stabber. So she's looking at this note that she put up and acting surprised to no one there. There's no one there, but she's acting surprised all about it. And then she gets stabbed. And then I'm supposed to believe that she's the one that put up the note. Listen, that just doesn't make sense, man. It just doesn't fucking make sense. And I know that last three minutes probably didn't make sense to anyone. <laughs> but the point of what I'm saying is... It's hard to make a narrative. It's hard to make a story... That is compelling. It's hard to make a story, period. It's hard to make a story that is compelling and that, you know, actually makes sense. And the authenticity that comes through in some of these conversations is refreshing. It's enjoyable. And, 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 what, it, and what it tells me is that you don't need to do anything in order to entertain meaning you don't need to try so hard if you are a person who is entertaining and wants to entertain or wants to do something you don't need to try so hard because naturally if you're naturally inclined to this type of performance and if you you need to work at it you need to try but if you're naturally inclined and you and you just work on a specific medium that medium could have success 
Same thing, same, same thing, thing with the TV show, I guess. I mean, if you, you know, you write many scripts and you, you know, the, the many of them are going to be shit. Eventually, you'll write some golden, you'll write The Godfather too, and you'll be a great success. But in the, in the day of the low attention span, the, the, the problem with that is the problem with trying to write scripts. There is a barrier to entry there that is quite high. That does, That is not as high with other mediums like podcasting medium. Why? Because it's quite expensive to actually produce um, television. It's expensive. You need actors. You need cameras, you need lighting, you need a craft food buffet to feed the people. And all that adds up. And the thing is, like with a podcast like this, you don't really need anything. You just need a microphone and you just need to talk. And that allows you to just be, to take more risk in a sense that well, I don't know if it's taking more risk, but it's it just allows you to get better at it, right? It allows you to actually put something out there without um, without anything stopping you, and, and I and I like that about podcasts. And anyone who has the guts and the perseverance and the will, you just want to do it then you can do it. Now, I, for what I, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time, for a long time. I remember one of the first podcasts list, I listened to was uh, called Econ Talk. How old was I? Must have been even 13 years old when I started listening to this show. This show is by Russ Roberts. He's an economist at George Mason University and he would he would talk about the best episodes were always illustrating some aspect of economics that may not be intuitive and that always through a story or through examples one one story that stood out to me from back in the day was the story about price gouging and how when this the government makes the government has a law that says you cannot sell a certain amount over the market value so if a particular item is selling for let's say a can of soda is selling for a dollar there are some states that do not allow you to sell a certain percentage. So you cannot sell it for $5 because even in a shortage, because you are take quote unquote taking advantage of people and that that's not okay. And the story they told in this particular story was on uh, with Mike Munger, who is also uh, he's like an economist. I think he ran like political uh, guy as well. But the story was that there was 
uh, after a natural disaster in, somewhere in the south. I want to say this was like in New Orleans or something like that. But I don't remember exactly all the details. But the power goes out in this southern city in the United States after a natural disaster. And a few entrepreneurial individuals um, seize this opportunity. How so? Because there was no way to keep food cold. All the power's out. All the refrigeration doesn't work. You can't have uh, cold food. You can't have cold drinks. Nothing. So what did these entrepreneurial lads do? They came from a more northern state. They drove down with an ice truck and started selling ice. And they started selling ice for a premium because, of course, none of the local stores had ice. Everything had melted. But they were able to import this ice from another state driving that truck down, this ice truck. And they started selling it for, I don't know, three, four, five times the price of normal ice. And they had a line around the block of people wanting to buy this ice. People wanted to keep their food cold, right? Because all their refrigerators were dead. They needed some way to make sure their beef was still frozen. So they needed to buy some ice. And they were willing to pay, you know, $20, $50, for a bag of ice because there was none, no ice available. And that's, that's, you know, how a market works. If there's low supply, then uh, people are willing to pay more, right? If there's high supply, then people will pay less. That's how, that's the, how pricing works. So... People are buying the ice and the and the cops showed up and they shut down the operation. Why? Because these entrepreneurial ice sellers are price gouging. They're selling ice for way too much. So the cops stop the sales. They confiscate the ice trucks. They turn off the ice trucks. And the people in the line begin to applaud. Because these cops are maintaining law and order. And these entrepreneurs, they should not be able to sell ice for such a high price. And all the ice melts. And no one has ice. And uh, that's it. And that's the law against price gouging. So it prevented people who wanted to purchase for a certain price, the ability, it stopped them. And this concept, it, this story always stuck with me because it's a very interesting story. And it shows how when you limit the market, when you try to regulate the market, you have these unexpected consequences. Um, and I just love that story. I love that story because it opens your mind to how the government works in terms of the market economy. And this was this podcast, Econ Talk, that was just one story from that uh, particular podcast. But this guy was an OG pie. He still is. I think that is that the, 
the econ talk is still around till this day uh over 10 years later he was one of the first legitimately one of the first podcasters out there period like period like there was no podcast like very very little uh podcast but i love that I, i remember riding my bike listening to those episodes and some other what other pod i really liked uh when i was a little bit older i listened to some sports podcasts as well those were always fun but i feel like i always in me i always wanted to create media podcast i i always wanted to do this podcasting thing and i'm not sure why but it's just that i really really enjoyed it and and maybe it's because i thought that i could do it you know and that's the thing anyone can do it is it going to be successful well i don't know but anyone can get in front of the mic and just talk or interview people and i did start by interviewing people that was my first run and i did over 80 crypto episodes and i did even more non crypto episodes podcast interviews with my friends just people that i thought would be interesting to talk to and it was fun for a while it was fun for a while but then i eventually stopped doing these interviews why why gabriel Did you stop doing these interviews? Well, I'll tell you why. First of all, my daughter was born. She was born in October of 2021. And when you have a baby that's just born, you're not doing many podcasts, all right? <laughs> It's a lot of work, especially at the beginning. And uh even though a podcast is not I mean, you can do it's not a, it could be a full-time job, but it's not super rigorous meaning you set the times, you book individuals when you want to talk to them, so it can be quite flexible in that way, but you're you're not scheduling uh conversations with crypto people, you know, a month after you just had a baby. You're you're just not doing that. So that's one reason, but also the deeper reason is because a lot of the conversations that I had were boring for me and I didn't like it. I didn't like talking to people who just come on the show to shill whatever fucking project that they're working on. Like I don't and I just got so bored during some of these conversations because it was just like uh-huh uh-huh oh yes you're increasing uh liquidity in the fucking call the lending uh, borrowing market yeah you're creating a market for fucking uh sock price i don't even fucking know what it and it and it wasn't even interesting at a certain point oh my god
Holy shit! Oh my god. Oh my god. I legit needed to fucking run to the bathroom. Holy shit, I was... That was fucked, bro. So anyway. Holy mother. So, um... Where was I? So basically, the podcast, people were asking me to come on, and it became a shill platform. Just people shilling their shitty-ass projects that I literally could not care less about. And that was like, I was like, I really don't want to be doing this anymore. This is kind of crap. And it, it, it kind of culminated in this particular moment where I asked Joe Rogan a question. I was living in Austin and... We lived in Austin for about eight months. And literally the only reason we moved to Austin was because of Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Because Joe hyped up Austin so much that I was like, we have to go there. We have to go. And you know what? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. But my wife hates it. <laughs> Hates it. Um, they have good tacos there. So we go to Austin. And I went to see Joe Rogan live two times. The first time I went with some friends. And before the show, a friend of ours says, you know, uh, at the end of the show, Joe will ask take some uh, questions so if you have any questions prepare the question so we go to the show great show fun time laughing the question and the answer portion comes and I didn't really have anything prepared but my wife knows I love Joe and she was trying to get his attention. So we just, she was yelling from the balcony where we were sitting. She was like, hey, Joe, Joe, Joseph. Hey, I'm from New York, Joe. And uh, Joe, <laughs> he's like, you're from, he, he was just like, <laughs> oh, of course you're from New York. Only a New Yorker would say I'm from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, but I didn't ask a question the first time because I didn't really have anything to ask. I wasn't prepared. But then we went a second time. And the second time, I had a question already ready from the beginning, from the get-go. I walked into that club, the Vulcan, with a question in mind and I had this question and I thought about this question so much during the show. That's all I could think about was asking this question. So I'm listening to the show, thinking about the question and, the, and then the question and answer 
phase comes and I jump. I jump right away. I was the first one. I said, hey, Joe, I got a question. Right away, as soon as he opens the floor up for questions. I say, hey, I got a question. He's like, oh, you got a good question. I say, yes. So first, I said, first of all, I appreciate you. Love the show. Love what you do. And he said, I appreciate you too. And then I asked him the question. I said, what did you learn from your most painful interview? And he said, uh, I've never had a... I've never had a painful interview. This is my most painful. <laughs> he said, this question right here is my most painful interview. <laughs> Roasted me a little bit. And I felt, and that answer was like, I've never had a painful interview. And that answer, in the moment, I was like, hmm, I was a little disappointed. Why? I was disappointed because... That wasn't the answer I was expecting, which is okay. I was disappointed. I didn't, I felt like I wanted to learn something profound from Joe, from the wisdom of Joe. And I felt like in that moment, like, ah, kind of, I, I missed the opportunity. But looking back on it, looking back on that question. I really do feel like Joe imparted a little bit of wisdom upon me in that moment. What was the wisdom? I've never had a painful interview. You know why he's never had a painful interview? Because every single person that he interviews is someone that he wants to fucking talk to. Someone that he is interested in. And I was not in that same place. I was talking to people I did not give a fuck about. I did not give a shit about their shitty, shilly ass project. And that is what I learned. That I don't need to be spending my fucking time listening to someone tell me about the 15th yield aggregator on a third side chain. Nobody cares. Nobody fucking cares. Not me. I did not care. And so, because of Joe, I stopped doing that. Now, let me talk a little bit about Joe. Because I admire Joe. Joseph Rogan. You know why? I listen to a lot of Joe. I listen to a lot of the JRE. I love the JRE because for some of the reasons that I already mentioned at the top, authenticity. To me, Joe comes off as very authentic, genuine individual. And he's very refined. And what do I mean by refined? If you listen to old Joe episodes, and I have, I've listened to many. He's on episode 1800 or something at this point. But if you go into the, the 300s, the 500s, early days, you can tell that he is a little bit rough around the edges. And, but these days, he's so much more polished. He has a, a more of a presence, a presence of, of being that he's more confident, perhaps, that he doesn't need to show anyone anything, that he can just sit back, 
relax, listen, and, you know, have a real good, relaxed conversation with the guest. And that only comes from doing it for so long, so often, and really from uh, enjoying it. Enjoyment, level of enjoyment. And to me, to me, Joe, he lives a great life. He lives a great life. Why? He's got a great job. And he loves his job. He jo- his job is to sit in a room with the most interesting people in the world. The people that he, not that someone tells him is the most, that he finds the most interesting. And just chat with them for hours, for as long as you want, for as little as you want, to talk about whatever they're passionate about. And when someone is talking about whatever they're passionate about, truly, authentically passionate about, whether that's kayaking or candy making or MMA fighting, whatever it is, there is a beauty in listening to that type of conversation because that passion is, makes it interesting. That passion is infectious. It bleeds over into the listener because you cannot fake that. You cannot fake a passion for paddleboarding if you've never paddleboarded in your life. But if you love paddleboarding, you're like, I, I stand on that board and I love feeling that balance and the waves underneath my feet, stroking that lovely long paddle, feeling the breeze in my hair. No, I've never fucking paddleboarded <laughs> in my life. But I'm assuming. This is what the paddle, but the paddleboard expert will also tell you something surprising about the paddleboarding that you would not have guessed. And listening to that is lovely. But Joe, he lives his best life. He has a good family. He loves his wife. He loves his kids, as far as I can tell. He has a nice house. And he just chills with his friends. And he lives the life that he authentically that he authentically wants to live. And that for me personally is something that I strive for. To live the life that I want to live. To live the life. Not that someone told you to live. Not that someone you think that someone should do. No. It really comes down to being... With yourself, one with yourself, and knowing that you personally, you know what is best for you. And that that level of confidence and authenticity comes with practice, practice and trying things out and really tuning in to what you makes you as an individual happy. And that's what I learned from Joe. And I think that hanging out with him, hanging out with him, I don't really hang out with him, hanging out through the podcast has a, an impact on me because we've all heard this theory, you know, the five monkeys theory or the average of the five people you spend time with. And spending time with Joe on occasion, listening to the podcast, hanging out, being a fly on the wall during these conversations is valuable to me 
because I get a level of enjoyment out of it. Now, you could say that I'm just wasting my fucking time. I should be doing some other shit. But I don't give a shit about you. I like listening to it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the conversation because, again, Joe, he's got a lot of love in his life. He's got money. He's got passion. He's got enjoyment. He's got a, a, uh, he's got, he's healthy. He's fucking healthy. He's ripped. He's in good shape. He's got a lot of money. He's got a good family. And he has a job that he genuinely loves to do, regardless of the amount that he gets paid, regardless of all these other external factors. This is something that he personally loves. And I personally would like to live a life like that, where I wake up, exercise, feel good, have fun. Fun with friends, fun with my family, fun with the work that I do. All of these things lead to a wholesome life, a life worth living. And that's why I like Joe. Because to me, he is a representation of all of these things that I would like to achieve. Now, is he really... Is he really all of these things? I don't fucking know. I don't know what he does. But, but, when someone records themselves for years, for hours and hours and hours, it becomes hard to fake. You cannot fake. You cannot fake it. You cannot. If you're playing a character or you're lying or you're inauthentic, you will be exposed, especially doing it for as long as someone like Joe has. And that, to me, also is a good lesson. To be authentic, to be true to yourself. Because only by being true to yourself can you be successful. And that also ties in to the, the, the TV shows and the movies and the stuff like that. Because... As an actor or as a filmmaker, it is hard to maintain that authenticity. You're literally playing a role in a made-up fictional story that is not authentic to you necessarily. However, however, it, the best actors, the best performers will take the narrative that is presented to them and make it authentic to themselves. And that is what makes something great. And that authenticity, authenticity is something that I want to strive for. Why? Because it gives you a certain, you have to be confident enough to be yourself. But if you're confident that you just know that you being you is enough, you being you is enough, and you cannot be someone else because everyone else is taken you have to be yourself and you must be yourself in order to be successful i really believe that now there are professions where maybe not but maybe that's not the profession that i want to be in 
the profession of being yourself is way better because you won't feel like you have to fake it. Feeling like you have to fake interest in a conversation sucks. It sucks. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. And that authenticity will bring out your uniqueness as well. I'll give you an example because, of course, Joe Rogan, the king of podcast, another king of podcasting, maybe the prince of podcasting, Lex Friedman. I've listened to a lot of Lex Friedman. And on its face, the Joe Rogan experience and the Lex Friedman podcast are very similar. Both of them are conversing with people. Sometimes even the same people, not at the same time, on different occasions, about various topics. But it's just a conversation. There is no gimmicks. There's no, there's no wings that they need to consume during the talk. It's just the host, a guest, talking. Both Joe and Lex. But the way that they present they the way that the the content comes out is very personal very uh unique to their individual personalities and joe for example he's a, he seems like he's a chill guy more relaxed more he's a comic so he always comes with a, a humor about him um, a relaxed type vibe. Now Lex is an engineer, and he's more serious, and he's more uh, philosophical. I I would say not that Joe isn't philosophical, but there is a a deep a deep philosophical aspect to Lex, um, and uh, I would even say a. A seriousness. I was going to say a, a darkness, a seriousness about Lex. That he does make jokes, of course. But the way that the conversation will unfold is substantially different than, uh, you know, any other one. Because Lex is also being true to himself. He asks questions that are more deep and probing about life. And serious, hard questions that lead the conversation in a direction which the Joe Rogan conversation would not go. And that, that is a beautiful thing. That is, and that is authenticity. Because Lex is not trying. I don't think he is trying to do anything. He's just being true to himself. And he's following his curiosity. Same thing with Joe. They follow their curiosity. They follow their intuition and they do the things that they want. And that is an admirable trait. And that is something that I personally strive to do. And so I started doing more of these type of podcasts where I am just talking to myself for as long as I want, because 
this is way more authentic than me listening to some fucking guy about whatever bullshit crypto innovation is going on that they're trying to shill. I, again, will I do more interviews in the future? Possibly. But only with people that I really want to talk to. I still get people reaching out to me now. Hey, can we do a podcast about my project? And I say to them, nah, I'm not doing interviews right now for this reason. I do not want to subject myself to goddamn horseshit. I want to have fun. I want to have a good time. And that good time is what will keep people coming back. People don't come back for horse drivel. They do not come back for horse drivel, let me tell you that. Because the lack of passion will not get you anywhere. You've got to have that passion. You've got to have that. So, my dream, I would love for this very here podcast to be the way that I can provide for myself and my family. It's not really right now. You know why? Because I got no goddamn sponsorship. No fucking sponsor. So if you want to sponsor this, send me a DM. But to me, a dream is to be able to be a guy that gets on the mic, talks about whatever they want to talk about, and get paid for that. Not what someone else wants you to talk about. Not some bullshit. It's gotta be something that you really connect with. Some real shit, baby. You gotta love the real shit. That's what it's all about. The real fucking shit. So. If you're listening to this, if you listened to this for the entire time, I do appreciate you. I do appreciate you listening to my goddamn bullshit for I don't know how many minutes at this point. But my goal, my dream is to have a setup where I can do this not in a windowless room that is striped and sterile, but in an environment that is mine, that I created, that I set up, that is comfortable for me to just ramble about. And then I don't have to move from location to location where I just have an area that's my area and that allows me to do whatever it is I want to do. And we will get there, baby. We will fucking get there. Because making a living from creating the content that you want to see in the world, to me, 
To me, that is a fucking dream. And anyone can do it. Anyone can do it if you set your mind to it and if you are disciplined enough to do it. And I'm not saying that I am because I feel like I still have a lot to prove. But I do feel like I've made tremendous amount of progress over the last few years. I just posted this week. Uh, it was my three-year anniversary of creating video content on a regular basis. I used to, before I was doing video, I would write. I would write about shit. And writing was a little bit harder than video because it required editing. Now, editing is an interesting thing, but it would take significantly more amount of time to write something than it is to video something. And I do feel that in this day and age, video is more powerful than the pen. The YouTube is mightier than the medium. Because video captures your attention in a way that text does not. Text is requires more effort on the part of the reader. Video just projects that shit right into your head. So in some ways it's more powerful. It shows the consumer exactly what it wants to see. Writing can paint a picture in the mind of the consumer in a way video does not. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what's more powerful. It's really what is authentic to the creator, how they best can express themselves. Because that authenticity, that passion, will come across to the audience. So, watching these videos from three years ago where I was talking about leads and marketing and stuff like that, I've come a long way since then. And the journey continues, but I found my voice in many aspects. This yelling thing that I do, this character that I play, on crypto Twitter, it is a part of me. It is an aspect of me that I found, that I discovered, that I was able to emerge because of doing this and repeating this. Um, it's a skill. It's a skill that is very, very valuable. I think that it is incredibly valuable to be able to talk for an hour, 45 minutes, an hour without any prompting, without anyone saying, you know, say this or that. I mean, 
Talking is a, such a valuable skill. I can lead a nation with a microphone, you know, that type of thing. There is a power in speech that maybe it used to be more prevalent. Maybe it's, but I, I think recently, you know, we, we, we think about these speeches. Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address, uh, even, you know, Hitler. His speeches were wild, wild. Off the chizang. We don't have good speeches. We don't have any good speeches anymore. We've got Joe Biden mumbling into a fucking teleprompter. <laughs> God damn, that's some bad speeches. I haven't seen a good fucking speech in a while. And that the art of the speech has been a bit lost, but... It is incredibly valuable because people want to hear. They want to be told something interesting and they want to be captivated and they want to feel something. They want to feel authenticity. They don't want to feel some goddamn corporate agenda. Fuck. So my goal with content creation is to get big it's to get successful it's to share my voice it's to enjoy it's to have a good time i mean what's better than sitting in a room talking about what you want to talk about you don't have to fucking listen to anybody you just do you baby you do what you want to do and that to me, that's lovely. That is lovely. That is something to strive for. To do something on your own takes, takes guts. It takes a certain amount of bravery or stupidness. But it is possible. It is possible. And my hope for you, the listener, is to find that thing that you are passionate about. Truly, what is the thing that you are passionate about? Go after it. Don't be afraid. Don't be a goddamn pussy, okay? Just go and pursue and enjoy. Yes, you got to pay the bills. Keep paying those bills. But find the thing that you love to do and that gives you energy that doesn't drain it gives you that energy and you lean into it and you keep on doing it and that is the thing that you need to be doing find it that finding that is critical that is a critical thing for your life for your happiness for your well-being to find that passion within you and a lot of people say, yeah, my dream is to be rich. Being rich, it's, it's kind of the lamest dream of all time. Why is it lame? Because you got the money. Let's say you got a million dollars. You got $10 million. Now what? Now what the fuck are you going to do? 
You're going to sit on your ass and watch Netflix all day. You're going to be bored as fuck. You're not going to be happy. Money doesn't change your situation after a certain point. Yes, there are people that are in poverty that are sleeping on the streets and that money would help. But at a certain point, once you get there to somewhere where you have enough for your family, for your well-being, I'm not talking about millions. I'm talking about paying your bills. What do you do after? What do you do after the number gets to a point where you are already sad? Where the, the more it goes up, it doesn't make any difference in your life. Once you get that 10 million, then you get 100 million. What then? What do you do? Being rich is just a number on a goddamn screen. Literally, it's just a number on a goddamn screen. Literally. So once you get that number on the screen up, what are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, you're rich. Now what? Do you paint? Do you kayak? Do you paddleboard? What the fuck do you spend time with your family? What do you fucking do? You can only fuck around for so long until you get bored off your goddamn ass. Seriously. Finding that passion, finding that Fulfillment, finding that energy is worthwhile, worthwhile because that, through that, through that energy and through that passion, you can make the money, but not the other way around. You make the money doing something that you hate, then you need to go find your passion and oftentimes you will be trapped. You will be trapped by this idea of making money. And the only thing that you like to do is make money. So you make money, 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 make money. Okay. Enough. Making money is not the end all be all. It's a means to an end. It gives you a certain level of comfort certain level of security but within that framework in order for you to find fulfillment you need to take risk whatever it is whatever it is that you think would be exciting if you want to be a fucking comedian then you better get up there on stage and start fucking grinding but the thing is if you are at a place in life where you don't need it Maybe you won't do it because you already say, ah, I already got the money. What do I need to do this shit for? There's a certain hunger that is required in order to pursue these things. But that it might, it might be enough to want to find fulfillment, to find a certain level of satisfaction in your life. So, I personally am in pursuit of this satisfaction. I feel good when doing stuff like this. When speaking into thin air for an hour. I feel good. I feel happy. I love making those videos on Twitter. 
because I go back and I look at these videos after I make them and I laugh. I think it's hilarious. I laugh at my own shit because I think it's funny. And that is good. Good! Laughing at my shit. Is anyone else laughing? Sometimes, sometimes they're laughing. But oftentimes, <laughs> it's just me laughing. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay if you're in a room laughing on your own. Some call that a mental asylum, mental institute. But I call that life. <laughs> so with that fine degen, a word from the sponsors. There are no fucking sponsors! God damn, you already know this. Clipto sponsoring this episode. Book me for a clip. There's a link in the description below. I will say whatever it is you like. Happy birthday. Maybe, maybe you need me to shill your business. I will shill your business for money. Why not? And I will do it in a funny way. In a way that I find not just... Oh, you're a snigger, the man, you're a snigger. No. Something exciting, something fun, something that I enjoy. So this is to you, dear sponsor. Send me the money, goddammit! Okay. I think that's enough for today. I talked about my favorite podcast, what I admire about podcasting, the level of authenticity that I feel, and these are some things that I keep in mind during my day-to-day life. So listener, dear listener, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you. Thank you for stopping in. Let me know what you enjoyed about this. If you enjoyed this, if you have any topics you'd like me to talk about, I, 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 might, I might talk about them or I may not. If they're a shit topic, then fuck it. Fuck, I'm not even going to look. But if it's something that I like to shit about, then, you know, it's all good. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good evening, GM.